Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And uh, can you tell that I seem to be on a more laid-back summer schedule? <laughs> I guess I've said that before, huh? I always have the best of intentions about getting these podcasts out in a more timely fashion, but I've become so good about procrastination that I find it quite easy to put off until tomorrow the things that would be best done today. However, uh, over this past week, we've received several donations from fellow saloners who attach notes that say how much some of these podcasts have meant to them from time to time, and I know how you feel because, uh, well, I feel the same way about these talks. I love listening to them. And uh, I particularly want to thank those donors who seem to think that their donation of only a few dollars isn't uh, really enough. Believe me, uh, having been in situations from time to time when $10 seemed like a fortune to me, I fully understand the difficulties that uh, we are now passing through. Over the uh, last uh, eight or nine years, I guess, that over uh, probably almost all, maybe over 95% of all our donations, uh, either directly to the salon or for my pay-what-you-can audiobook, have been under $10. And uh, that's the broad foundation that this salon is built upon. Of course, uh, every once in a while, we receive a large donation, such as the one I recently received in the mail from Linda G. Uh, thank you ever so much, Linda. However, if you are one of the uh, wonderful people who made a donation but were worried about it not being very large, well, that's how we got to where we are today. And uh, it's you and others like you who make it possible to keep presenting these programs without commercials or a Kickstarter-like campaign or anything like that. It isn't the size of your donations, but it's uh, actually your commitment to uh, listening to these podcasts that uh, is going to keep us going for the indefinite future. Now, for today's program, I've got a real treat for you. Our guest speaker is uh, Shauna Holm, and you are about to learn much more about this remarkable woman. But I want to be very careful to not oversell the talk that we're about to listen to because, uh, well, I'm quite sure that it's going to uh, really capture your mind and get all kinds of new ideas churning for you. Uh, and this is a talk that uh, Shona gave at the East-West Bookstore in Seattle just a few months ago, and it was given as a part of a book tour for her latest book, Love and Spirit Medicine. But uh, enough of me uh, right now. Let's uh, join Shona and uh, learn more about her intriguing work and life. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for coming. I had a feeling that this talk tonight would, would draw more than a few people. So my name is Shauna Holm, and I live in Redmond, and I have been uh, practicing uh, shaman for a number of years now, uh, very reverently. It is my, my spiritual practice. And I, I teach as well. I've got a couple of, of who I, I don't like to call them students, my medicine women here. And when I refer to them, hi, how are you? Welcome. I just started. When I refer to them as medicine women, I am not inferring that they do the, the plant medicine. I just call them medicine women because, of course, you know, doing any kind of healing work is good medicine. It's medicine, you know. So when we are uh, working shamanically or working with what Reiki, which I actually think is very shamanic, we are working with very high medicine. I think everyone would agree. Uh, so I will tell you a little bit about um, 
how this book came about, uh, I have a, a book I wrote previous to this called Eshel Wisdom, Seven Teachings from the Mayan Sacred Feminine. So I've done, uh, I spent quite a bit of time in the Yucatan working with a, a, a beautiful uh, shaman there, a real heart priest named Miguel Angel Rivera. And it was there that I received a Mayan baptism in these beautiful caves. And at that time, during the baptism, Ishel, who is the Mayan mother goddess, came into me. And the shaman who was there, I experienced it, and then he watched it happen. And then after that, I was receiving uh, transmissions from her. And I came home, and I understood now that I was to invite the women to my house and uh, create ceremony for the women. And so that was, gosh, I think four years ago now. And so for four years, every month I have been hosting full moon ceremonies for women, and they're not closed circles. I don't believe in that. They're open to anyone uh, is welcome to come. And we do something different every month. And so I, I host these ceremonies. So, uh, and, and that has been my work. My work has been primarily with women, and it is opening to men now. I am offering a class at the end of June for veterans with PTSD, and I'll speak a little bit to that as well as I go into the plant medicine here. So what uh, uh, happened was uh, my marriage um, to a lovely man, it was a blended family, it was highly challenging, and it was um, deteriorating rapidly. Uh, blended families are very difficult for anyone who's experienced that. And I was uh, suffering um, uh, from quite a, a, a depression you know, as a result of, of what I was going through in that marriage. And it had been over for a couple of years, basically, and we hadn't really done anything. And um, and I had tried ayahuasca, um, and I was complaining about the dearth of female uh, ayahuasca leaders. And then, lo and behold, I hear about a pair of women who are hosting an all-women's ayahuasca ceremony. Don't worry, hi. And so I was very blessed to attend... Uh, ceremony of, of, of all women. And that was wonderful and powerful, and it came to me that this is not really my path. So uh, at that time, I could feel the mushroom medicine calling me. And, 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 and the I, I'm 50, so this was a couple of years ago. This is relatively recent. And up to that time, I had never experimented or, or worked with any kind of plant medicine to that point. I don't drink, I don't smoke pot, I don't, you know, do recreational anything, you know, I just, I just don't. Um, and, uh, but I could feel this medicine calling me, and because of the years behind me of, of, uh, uh, of deep shamanic exploration and, and reverence for Mother Nature, who I call Mama, uh, I could feel these calling me, um, uh, in such a way, you know, that I, I knew this was about uh, my own expansion. And so I had a dear friend of mine, I'd been friend with, friends with him for a couple of years, and he had experience with these medicines. And so he lives out in the woods, and we planned for me to come and do this medicine with him. And he had been listening to Terence McKenna. So for those of you who don't know, Terence McKenna wrote prolifically on plant medicines, ayahuasca and mushrooms, and he died in 2000, which is a loss. He had an extensive understanding of botany, as well as mathematics and, 
and uh, history and philosophy. He was an extraordinary person. And, and so he advocated doing the mushrooms uh, in the dark, lying down, eyes closed, five grams. And so he spoke about uh, the, the, the importance of going in there and uh, he was saying that what this world needs is consciousness. We're in desperate need of consciousness so to, to go in there and travel as like a psychonaut essentially, you know, and, and, and expand and learn and then bring that back. So my first experience with this medicine was out in the forest under the stars it was a big dose, especially for someone who had never done it before, and it was very intense. And towards the end of that experience, I was lying on the ground, and, and it came to me, just a thought in my head. I was adopted at five months old, and it came to me. I was like, yeah, it was a mistake. I always felt that. And in that moment, the earth spoke to me and said, my daughter. You were no mistake. And that elicited such emotion from me because in that moment, I had direct connection with the sacred. The earth spoke to me. The mother spoke to me. And I experienced a very profound healing as a result of that. And so when I got home from that experience, I started researching because I'm a voracious researcher and I, 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 I looked up every book I could find on uh, this kind of medicine. I wanted to learn, I wanted to understand what this was and how is this being used in the past. And I read over 40 books on entheogenic mushroom medicine and all but two were written by men. And they are fantastic books. I recommend reading them. They're many of them very academic, and they're very, uh, they have a tremendous amount uh, to offer. And what was missing was, I felt, a woman's personal telling of, of, of working with these medicines, because do you know that plant medicines have long been the domain of women? They've long been the domain of women. Women understood the plants. They knew which plants were heal. They knew which plants were poison. And they sure as hell knew which plants would take you into ecstatic states. And so we have the Pythia of Delphi, who worked with psychotropic substances and went into deep trance and brought through information. We have the, uh, in the Norse traditions, the Volva, V-O-L-V-A, and these were women who, they had song around them and they would go into altered states, but uh, they were also uh, worked with psychotropic substances um, uh, it'll come to me that the one in particular, the, the henbane that they worked with quite a bit. You know, there are all kinds of, of substances that would take you out of this state of consciousness and expand you, take you into these other worlds. And so after that first experience, I was very curious to do this again. I knew, I knew something came into me. This is my path to explore. And so what began after that was a series of every month, I was like a woman obsessed, every month I would go up to uh, my friend and we would do these shamanic immersions into this medicine. And it was, I was having cumulative experiences where the second time this happened, spirits started coming in. 
They started coming in, and they didn't stay, but they would come in as if to uh, experience being in this, and, and then myself, part of me, experiencing them. And, uh, and then they would talk to me, they would teach me. And, 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 and what ended up happening was, uh, eventually they started to animate me when I did the medicine, and so what I ended up coming into was a very, very ancient art form of being a medicine oracle. That's old shamanistic work, where the shaman goes into the other worlds, and they go in and they bring back information. And there are some shamans who allow the spirits in. They allow themselves to be animated, and then the spirits speak through them. And so we have no reference point for any of this in, in our culture. And, and, and what I want to say uh, about this, these medicines uh, is, is that they are not escape mechanisms. This is not about escapism at, at, at all. Uh, this is, uh, what I really want to um, express is the necessity of, of uh, bringing a ritual context to these medicines because every time I embarked on this, I would do ritual. I would use either sage or copal, which is tree resin, and I would uh, walk around in circle and sage the area where I was going to be, I would, or, or copal, I would call in that being to protect. I would open the directions, and I would call in my allies. So part of me understood, and also from practicing shamanism for the years before that, I understood you're going into an altered state. You must protect yourself. Set and setting are very important with these medicines. These are medicines. They're sacraments. And I describe it as going through the portal to sit on God's lap and talk to the spirits. This is what I do. And at the same time, as above, so below, as within, so without. So what I did learn, too, is when you're in that territory, there are many eyes upon you that you're blithely unaware of. All right? There's tricksters there and troublemakers. So it is very important, the shamans understand this, that you create that protection. It has nothing to do with like being afraid or anything. Or, oh, no, no, no. It's just you're setting boundaries. So that's about you know, really standing in your power, creating the boundary, and then going in. But set and setting is essential. And uh, so these beings were teaching me, and it's very interesting because one of the, the names for these kind of medicines is a hallucinogen. And one of the things the beings has, have taught me is, is that so much in our culture is flipped, it's reversed, right? Um, uh, there's the whole game of words in this culture, and I'll speak to that in a few minutes when I talk about spells. But, but you call it a hallucinogen. A hallucination is something that you see or hear that isn't real, right? And yet, you're going into these realms, and they will take you, they will cut to the truth. They'll cut to the truth very quickly. What they do is they open the deep psyche. They open the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. So they're, 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 they're very powerful activators, and they will illuminate for you uh, personal material. They'll illuminate parts of yourself that you maybe were unaware of, or 
don't even really want to face. And this is the other piece with these medicines and why they must be treated with reverence because I'm sure, you know, we've all heard people in this culture running around shrooming or doing their acid or whatever they're doing and they have a bad trip, they're at a party or they're out in the street. God knows, right? They just, it's, it's a profaning of the medicine because we've not been taught in this culture not to use that. We're taught really to abuse in this culture. We're taught to abuse and we use substances like alcohol and prescription drugs and cigarettes and food as well to suppress and, and to escape. We, we, we are taught to escape in this culture. And so what these medicines will do is they'll take you to the heart of the truth of who you are and what needs to be addressed. You'll get a healing. And it may not be comfortable or it may be ecstatic. But you'll get what you're supposed to get. Why? Because these are teachers. They're teachers. They're beautiful teachers. And they do not have the uh, filters that we do. You're going in, you're working with, with, with a, a very powerful teacher. And, and different medicines uh, uh, work differently, you know. Um, now, here's the thing with the mushrooms. Uh, compared to peyote, which has been in the Native American traditions in an unbroken lineage for thousands of years, right? And they have this beautiful ceremony around their peyote. Beautiful. So they have this container that they create, and they work with that medicine. And in the unbroken lineages that work with the ayahuasca medicine, they too have a beautiful container, and it's done in such a way, you know, and you're held and you're safe. Well, with mushrooms, there's really no container there's no container. It, they were used in uh, Mexico by the Aztecs and the Mayans who called the mushrooms God's flesh or God's children or that which will take you to God. They horrified the Spanish clergy. And the Spanish clergy responded with their inquisition. And anyone there who was caught using those, working with the mushrooms, was murdered. All right, and so it's gone to a very, very small, small secluded area within Oaxaca that works with that medicine. But, you know, good luck finding your way to one of those shamans. And so this was the other piece, too, that my friend and I realized when we started doing this medicine. We have no shaman to guide us with this. We're really on our own. And I uh, think of myself as a spiritual warrior. And a spiritual warrior seeks to know. They're on a quest to know. And, and the Native Americans talk about the spiritual warrior. They have another word for it, but the English translation is warrior, and people don't necessarily like that warrior word. But, you know, there's a time for battle, and then, you know, that there's that time for that spiritual quest. So I seek to know. And, and so these medicines provide that. And, and I realized, well, we're on our own, so we're just going to have to create our own sacred container around this. We're going to have to create our set and setting. We'll create ritual. And we'll do this with as much integrity as we possibly can. And so after a few months, I realized, i gotta write, I got to start writing about this. i got to start writing about this. This is important. And I'll tell you, it's dangerous to do that, especially for a woman. There's a reason why there's very few women's voices, you know. They can take away your children. We still have an inquisition. It's the pharmacratic inquisition. It's gone nowhere. It's around, trust me. And there's a reason why these medicines are illegal. There's a reason why. I was just at the MAPS conference in San Francisco in April, which is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, and 100 researchers came from over 13 
different countries to discuss their research with substances like psilocybin and MDMA and ayahuasca and uh, iboga. And uh, iboga out of Africa, um, I have not worked with this substance. I would never do that unless I was with a, an experienced shaman. But iboga uh, completely eradicates heroin addiction eradicates heroin addiction. And I was just recently doing some research um, on the opium wars that uh, happened in the 18th century when uh, the East India Trading Company out of England wanted to work with China. They wanted to trade with China. There was a lot of goods that China had that the British people were craving. And, um, and they wanted China to be you know, part of their trade routes in China. Uh, the emperor said, no, the hell with you, we're doing just fine, thank you very much. We're our own container, and they were. They, they ever, all their needs were met, they had everything they needed, and the East India Trading Company really wanted to get in there, so what did they do? They threw Hong Kong, uh, started uh, growing uh, opium in uh, poppies in India, and then uh, brought that into China, and uh, people started smoking the opium, and uh, created addiction, addiction of indescribable agony, indescribable agony trying to get off that stuff. I mean, just horrific. They destroyed people, all in the name of a big bucks, all in the name of, of money and power. And so eventually it worked and they got into China and there's a whole story with that. Well, they also decided to bring that, like, why, you know, why are we knocking ourselves against wall with China when we, you know, it's totally legal. This was the 18th century in England. So they brought it into England, you know. They brought it over here. And do you know that in the um, uh, mid-1800s, uh, opium, it was in cough syrups. I mean, it was being peddled. You could get it from your uh, apothecary, from your pharmacist. And um, two-thirds of the people, of, the, of all the people who were opiate-addicted were women, were women. And then the rest, mostly, were veterans who were in such agonizing pain from battle. You know, they would take this medicine, and next thing you know, they would be addicted to it. And, and, and then there were all these, um, uh, you know, companies coming up with different cures to, because the, of course, getting off the opiates was so, um, it was just next to impossible, you know, people were destroyed. And, uh, so here we have iboga now. Iboga will do that for you. But it's illegal. And I'll tell you why. Because it competes with the methadone industry because they give these heroin addicts methadone, which is highly addictive. I know. I have a friend who committed suicide after years of fighting methadone, right? So then also at the MAPS conference, they were talking about PTSD and how MDMA, which is also known as ecstasy, it actually, its original name was empathy, and that works for people with intractable post-traumatic stress syndrome. It alleviates suffering. And then depression, psilocybin. Psilocybin and MDMA used in proper set and setting, mind you. All right? You bring people in. You work with them therapeutically. You sit with them and allow them to uh, have a, a dose of these substances. And you work with them. They're totally safe and held. And they are in an expansive state where they can see more deeply, more profoundly, you know, something that it might take, if you're lucky, 8 to 12 years of 
of, of therapy, you know, can be accomplished in about four hours. And then the, these guys were saying, these researchers were saying, well, we're hoping that uh, MDMA will be made legal uh, for psychiatric use by 2020. And, and so I began asking myself some very practical questions when I was there, saying, what's going on here? What is going on? How is this possible? Why are we supplicating ourselves to these government authorities who are they working for? Aren't they supposed to be working for us? Aren't they charged with the responsibility of working for us? We have such suffering and agony in our culture, you know? And one thing that these substances do is they not only work for you. So for my personal experience, right, I was going in these monthly and I was, I was shifting I was seeing things about myself that I had, I didn't have that perspective before, and I was healing, I was healing. And then at the same time, I was beginning to see society, I was beginning to see this culture that we're in with a much more expanded view, and I was beginning to really understand, you know what this is, this is the equivalent of the red pill in the matrix. Right? It expands your mind. It opens your intuition. You become much more intuitive. You know, uh, there is a, a, a man named um, Dr. Thomas Roberts, who is Professor Emeritus at Northern uh, uh, Illinois University. And he teaches the only course of its kind called Foundations in Psychedelic Studies. And he just published a book called The Psychedelic Future of the Mind, How Entheogens Are Boosting Intelligence, um, uh, Enhancing Cognition, and, um, and raising moral values. And so he lists study after study after study of what these substances are doing to accomplish just that. And, and he writes in this book about how, you know, we really, we are kept in just this ordinary mind state, waking state, all the time. And then when we go to sleep, that would be considered an altered state of consciousness, right? And dreaming is another altered state of consciousness. Now, if we don't sleep and if we don't dream, that affects this state of consciousness, doesn't it? I mean, we're a mess. We're a mess. We must sleep. We must dream. So he was saying, you know, they work synergistically. He was saying, we have hundreds, if not thousands, of mind, different mind states available to us. But what we're doing by just focusing on this specific mind state, it's the equivalent of working with a computer and all you do is play the chess on the computer. That's all you do is play the chess. You, you disregard all the other programs available to you. And so he was saying that his studies, his, his personal studies going into the psychedelic plants, plant world, he said were equivalent to his getting, earning his doctorate at Stanford because he would go in with actual questions or problems that needed solving. And he would come out of that with answers. And he said there was, uh, there has been a study done with, uh, I think, an architect and uh, an engineer and a doctor and someone else. And, and they uh, took, they each had questions to some perplexing problem that they were dealing with. And they went in to the medicine with that. And each one of them came out with answers to their problems. One of them came out with two specific like formulas as a result. 
All right. So, so that is available to, to us. I mean, these, these medicines are very profound. And for myself, my uh, exploration has been very shamanically focused, and also as a woman, too. Uh, Again, this is there's no touchstone for this in our culture. We're we're you know we all know we're in a very rational, masculine dominant culture, and this is poo pooed and frowned upon. And yet, uh, as I have just shared with you, you know it is it's such rich terrain for us to explore for our own healing, and then also to offer healing and new ideas. Because what did Einstein say? You cannot solve problems with the same mindset that you you started them with. You know, you've got to think outside of the box. And speaking of the box, we are literally kept in a box. It's called a Hegelian dialectic. It's a box, all right? This comes from this guy, something Hegel in the 1800s. And it's about keeping people always having two sides. Always having two sides and they're always battling, okay? Think Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, pro-life, pro-choice, blah, 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 blah. Always this, never a resolution. It's called divide and conquer, all right? And we are in dangerous times right now. We're in dangerous times. We're really under siege. And I know that this hunger for these medicines right now, Mother Earth is calling us back. Mother Earth is calling her children, her sons and daughters, back to her. How? Through her plants. Through her plants. So we can remember what we are. We've lost ourselves. We've lost ourselves. And this happened thousands of years ago. Um, when I go into these realms now, I talk to these spirits and they teach me. And they teach me with coyote teachings. And coyote teachings are where they'll give you a clue. They'll, they'll play with you. They'll give you a few hints. They'll give you something to chew on. And then it's up to you to go and do your research and do your due diligence and expand it and explore it and find your answers, because what they have told me is this is a vast holographic game that we're in. And we're not going to give you all the answers. Where's the fun in that? But we're going to give you some really good clues, and we expect you to use them. And the other thing that they've said is they are here as our assist, but they're not here as our authority, and they're not here to save us either. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. And I am very, um, very, um, uh, just cautious with channeled material because there's a lot of nonsense out there. You've got to really sift through it. And then there's some really darn good messages out there, right? But what I like about these beings is, you know, they are very, very clear with me in, in, in saying, we are not your authority. You know, we're not your authority. You require no governing. Check that one out. We require no governing. Guidance by wisdom keepers. Oh, boy, do we need that. We don't have any in leadership. None. Zero point zero. Terrence McKenna once said, we are led by the least among us. That is a club. It's an, a club, a very exclusive club, and you're not invited. All right? And um, here's uh, the other piece, too, I'll share with you. Um, I went on a medicine journey, and the trees began talking to me. And they said, Dear one, 
Do not describe yourself as an Earth citizen. Citizen is a Roman word. You're an Earth sovereign. You're an Earth sovereign. And so I always check my words. Because one thing they've taught me, they've taught me all about spells. And words are spells. That's why you spell a word. That's where that came from. All right? And spells are done through words. Through words, you can be uplifted through language or you can be imprisoned, right? So if I say to you right now, uh, giraffe, you instantly, what do you picture? You picture a giraffe, don't you? Most of you, right? I just made you hallucinate, right? You saw something that wasn't there through words. It's the power of words. They have tremendous power. And so I thought, all right. What does that mean? Citizen? What do you mean? I thought I was a citizen. What is this, you know? So then I start exploring it. And right now I'm reading um, a very dry book called The Law of Roman Slavery. Uh, no, yeah, The Law of Roman... No, Roman Slave Law. It's an old, old book, and it was written from Roman times. And I had one of those, oh, holy fuck moments, you know, when you're reading going, oh, shit, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. A citizen could be a slave. A citizen could be a slave. And they talk about their slaves, and they talk about putting a price on their slaves, right? So here's the matrix, my friends. Here's the matrix, all right? And, and by the way, these beings have also said, we do not bring this information through the lens of fear. Your planet's been run on fear. It's the only language you know. No. They're saying we bring, we are, we are wanting you to see wanting you to see and understand what's going on. Because when you see, you see. Then it's game over, right? Another reason why these medicines are illegal, right? Because you use them enough in the right set and setting, and you start to really get what's going on. You start to really see, okay? But we're in a, a society of commerce, and this goes back to Babylonian times. It's a society of commerce. That's not how we used to be. If you trace your ancestry back far enough, no, we were trading, there were communities, you know. Uh, the indigenous cultures didn't have anything like that. Well, all of us were indigenous, tracing back in our ancestors at some point. We were heathens or, ah, barbarians. Who do you think called them heathens and barbarians? The Romans. Those they were good guys. All right? Those were the good guys. But so then they brought in commerce. Now think about this. So, oh, you're a lawyer, so yeah, you're worth about 400, and, and you're a waitress, you're probably about 30,000 a year, and uh, you're an accountant, yes, about 120,000. You've brought people into a system. You've given them choices of what to be, what to do. This is all based on title, by the way. What's your title? I'm a nurse. I'm this. And then you've given a, a monetary value of what that person's worth. Well, that dehumanizes. That's the antithesis of what it is to be a human being. And, and, and so this is, this is um, we don't maybe quite get that because this is all we know. But you see, we're born, we're born and we just don't even think to question. We're born into this structure and we just kind of think, yeah, so this is how it is, right, okay, so i got to go to school and i got to learn what they teach me and then I'm going to go to college and maybe I'll get into that really good college and I'll have status and, and I'll do this and do this. And no one necessarily questions who put those structures in place. 
Who funded them? Whose philosophy is that? That we're all raised, you know, and we're raised to be patriotic in this country, you know? And so everything's been given to us. All our information has been given to us from something else, from someone else, do you see? And so we are also trained, and the beings said, trained like dogs, trained like dogs, all of us, programmed, trained, conditioned, to look outside of ourselves to external authorities for everything. Even to our friends to say, do I look fat? Does my butt look fat? How do I look? You know, but for everything. And, and we are not trained to go within. We're not even trained to necessarily train. That's a terrible word, but you know what I'm saying. Not even, um, you know, really um, encouraged, shall we say, to really go within and consult ourselves. Look at the medical system, my goodness, you know, you get sick, you go in the doctors right away. If you've got cancer, they are all over you like white on rice. They get you in a, a, a stew of fear, right? And before you can even think straight and, 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 you know, just ground yourself, oh, they've got you. They've got you. And you've given all your authority over, you've given all your power over. So I'm telling you this because with these medicines, when used reverently, they will teach you. What are you doing? You're going within yourself. You're going within yourself. You've ingested a sacred medicine. It expands your consciousness. And what, what are you? We are consciousness. We are consciousness. And we're in right now a prison of consciousness. We're imprisoned. All of this available to us has been, ooh, narrowed down to just this, and we're just kept in this. And we're also kept very, very busy, aren't we? Very, very, very busy. And I'll tell you something. I spent the Saturday night, I'm very tired tonight. I was Saturday night with, I'm very privileged, this was the first time, the Native American church, an all-women's peyote ceremony of 55 women in the teepee. And, you know, I'm speaking a lot about women. I love men. I love my brothers very much. So please, you know, um, know that. But 55 women in the teepee. And the way that they do that ceremony, very different than mushrooms and ayahuasca, where you're going in, it's very, you know, you're on your own. It's very interior. In their case, someone sponsors a ceremony. And by that, I mean someone says, I'm calling you all together for ceremony. I want us to pray for my daughter who's getting married or my son who's sick or, or, you know, so it's something like that. Well, this woman called the women together to pray for the empowerment of women to go out into the world and heal. And so that was our prayer. And that was our prayer. You take the, the peyote medicine and you look into the fire, this beautiful fire that this one woman is assigned to tend to that fire all night long. You stay up all night long and there are the songs of women. Each woman sings four songs. She's singing about how she loves her husband and she loves her children and she loves her family and she loves her earth and her God. I mean, it's beautiful. And there's a drum, doom, 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 and a rattle. It is exquisite. And it's a very long night. And it's very difficult. And at about 2.30 in the morning, I broke. I was so damn tired. I couldn't do it any longer. And, and I didn't want to leave the teepee. And finally, they gave my section a, uh, a break. And we went outside. And I had a sponsor with me. Someone sponsors. You don't get to just show, show up. So I was very lucky to have someone who sponsored me to participate. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. You know, it's too hard. I want to go to sleep. And blah, 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 blah. 
Anyway, I came back in, and then Owl started talking to me. And Owl, by the way, since I've been working with the mushrooms, has come in every single time, and now that's my medicine. And Owl, by the way, sees in the dark. Owl can see what others can't. Owl can also see what others won't see. So owl medicine is a little bit hard to take sometimes, but it's essential, especially for now, because we all must learn to see. So Owl started talking to me that night, and she said, Daughter, you don't ever have to do this ritual again, but you must do it to the finish. And then I was also thinking, I will confess to you, because it was mostly Native American people and people of Native American descent, and I was thinking, these aren't really my people. And Owl said, Daughter, they may not be your people, but they're your people tonight. They're your people tonight. And then she said, You sit here like the good woman that you are. You belong in the teepee with the women, and you will sit and do your duty. And so what I learned also is how we are such a culture of convenience, right? And we're so dang privileged. I'm so privileged. I don't know what it means to be poor like that. And I don't, not just poor, but all the cards stacked against you. Because I'll tell you what, positive affirmations are not going to work for those people. They'll laugh in your face. All right? And so, and I learned also, because this is what initiation does. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be. And we all have these initiations in our life. I write about this in my book, through relationship, through adversity, through illness, through heartbreak. We have these initiations, right? An initiation is designed to challenge you. It's they're designed to break you if you need breaking. Crack your heart open, all right? So you can see what you're made of, and you can see what needs correcting, and correct it. And it has nothing to do with judging yourself or shaming you. That's old church nonsense, right? But it's essential. And so, so that was a, just a, an extraordinary experience. And I, I, I left there. One, I went there one woman, and I left there a better woman. You know, I left there a better woman. And so, I have just such reverence for the power of these medicines and for the different containers. Um, and let me think, there are just a few more things I want to share with you. I was talking about spells. So the beings were saying, so this is a thick spell. This is a thick spell we're in, right? And community is essential. What we are doing right now is, in this lifetime, we got to be all together again. So we're finding each other, and it's essential that we treat each other with kindness, and we assist each other, and we help each other to heal. We need each other, because it is a thick spell out there. You know, another thing that happens, at least to me, you do this medicine often enough, and then you look, you look at this, this culture we're in, you look at the media, you look what's fed to our children and to us, and you realize this is immoral. It's just immoral. Sick. It's sick. And people are sick, aren't they? Depression is skyrocketed. Do you know, last year, my friend Tina said, Shauna, you and I are the exception, you know. Everyone I know is on antidepressants, including my sister. I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. Now, I will, um, well, risk my critics, but I will say, you know what I think is going on with these antidepressants, too, that are being given away, like candy? I think that's another opium war. Because isn't it interesting that just as we had in the 
uh, middle of the 19th century, two-thirds of the women were opiate-addicted, and then the rest basically were the veterans. Hmm. Most women in this culture, so many, many, many women, are on antidepressants now. Those are dangerous, by the way. They will really mess your brain up. And if you're on them, I'm not judging. Please don't think that. I am just speaking. I speak the truth. That's what I speak, and that's what I offer, all right? And then our beautiful warriors who are being egregiously abused because they're not fighting a noble battle. They're fighting for Nike, and they're fighting for corporations. It's a really, really mean trick on those good men who we love. And then they come back, and they are fed a dark wizard's stew of the most horrific antidepressants and painkillers and this and this and this and this. I know a few of these guys. They're messed up. All right? And then, meanwhile, huh, here we have uh, research that shows, oh, MDMA could assist those guys, many of them. You know? Uh, psilocybin could assist those guys, probably iboga. Do you see? And so they're not going to be brought in here because, you know, those guys in power, they're not working for you. They're working for their friends, with their friends, all right? So it's up to us. This is up to us. And I was in uh, Chiapas in the fall. I was leading a group of people with my dear shaman friend, Miguel Angel. And one of the places we went to was Palenque. And he took the group that day. And I had a little bit of my medicine. I had this agreement with him. And I wanted to go talk to uh, a, a ruler of Palenque known as Lady Zach Cook or the Red Queen, and she really basically ruled through her son, Lord Pakal. And I wanted to talk to her because she ruled a thousand years ago, and they are actually finding now that there were other queens in the Maya land at that time as well. We've been told no, 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 but ah, there were women ruling. She was also known for going into high trance states and bringing through information. Well, what do you think she was working with? She's working with the sacred mushroom, and there's mushroom statues up and down in Yucatan and Guatemala. All right, so I wanted to talk to this lady, because when I go in and talk to these beings, I actually call them beings more so than spirits, because just as we are human beings, they're beings too, just in a different realm. I talk to her like I'm talking to you. And so I went in, and, and, and I did the medicine. I was in a secluded place, and just a little bit, you know, and I closed my eyes, and... Then before me was this woman, and she was orangey-red, and she had a headdress of feathers, and in between each feather was a serpent, and she was eyeing me, and the serpents were eyeing me. And what they're doing is they're reading your frequency. I always joke that in the spirit realms, your rap doesn't work. Forget it, because they see right into the heart of who you are. They see i.e. your beauty. They see right into your beauty. They know who they're working with, all right? And so she's studying me, and I just opened my truth. And then we began a conversation, and I said to her, why is there still so much suffering and agony in this world? Why? It hurts my heart. And she said, the question is not why. The question is how. How are we going to heal this well, it begins with gestures of kindness. Do not underestimate the power of a gesture of kindness. And so then I answered in my sassy Shana way. I said, well, um, okay, but I don't really think the New World Order oligarchs are going to respond to a gesture of kindness. 
You know, you've got to know what we're dealing with out here. And she said, it is not for them. She said, it is the common people who will bring about the change that you desire. It is the common people who are suffering, and it is the common people who will respond to that kindness. And do not underestimate what a kindness will do. Something so seemingly simple to you, because you're in a good place. You have no idea what that will do for someone. Even catching someone's eye and smiling instead of just that impersonal looking away that we're also conditioned to do. Don't underestimate it. We're suffering. I've been suffering. You've all experienced your suffering. We need each other. We need each other. And then she said to me, you are majestic beings and you've been robbed of your majesty. And so then I went home and I thought, huh, she, she called us majestic beings. And I told her the power of words and these beings do not, uh, there's no accidents with their words. And so I look up the etymology of words and I highly recommend that you do the same. Because etymology is word origins. Forget the definitions, all right? Webster, Oxford, those guys had their biases. And plus, word definitions change with the times. They really do. When you go into the etymology, the word origin, you find out what the original intention of that word was. So the etymology of the word majestic is royalty. Each one of us is royalty. Imagine that we're kings and queens, truly, that's truth, capital T. We are not citizens. We are not what we do. We're not what we drive. We're not what we wear. We're human beings. We're not human doings. We're human beings. We're beautiful. And we were robbed a long, long time ago. The beings call them schoolyard bullies, all right? So, I don't know, were they um, reptilian, alien, whatever? Who gives a shit? Who cares? Who cares? We are here to remember the truth of what we are. And so, we are in a place right now where we have brought in a lot of light, have we not? Everybody was pretty active in 2012 doing all sorts of ceremonies and counting on that and putting all their energy and calling in the light. And I joke with my students, I say, you think the dark is scary? Wait till you see what the light will do. Wait till you see. Because what is light? Light is information. It's information. You turn on the light in the room and you see everything. You go, oh my God, it's a mess in here. Oh my God. And you, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know. And, oh, I didn't even want to know that was there. Oh, you know? And so this is happening to us personally. You know, we're hearing a lot about shadow work, working with our shadow, right? We're going into ourselves. And we're cleaning up our own house. We're cleaning up our own house. And I discuss that quite a lot in my book, Love and Spirit Medicine, which I encourage you all to buy. Alright, um, I, I, I discuss my own shadow. I mean, I really, it's a very, uh, it's not just a woman's telling, it's a very vulnerable personal telling. Alright, I put it all out there, put myself out there. And so I gave whatever enemies, I don't have any enemies, but I mean, I gave my critics everything they would need, you know, to throw their spears, right? And so what? This is, this is it. This is the truth of, of me. And guess what? Y'all carry that too. Alright, so this light is shining within, as within, so without. The light is also shining on the collective. So we're going to be discovering more and more and more of what is being going on. 
and how we've been being played and trained, as the being said, like dogs. And so every so often, I've done this just a handful of times, I will go into Medicine Oracle, because the beings have been very clear. They've said, this is not parlor tricks. You won't see me going around the country channeling and whatever. I'm, that's not how it works. But every so often, I call a small group of people, and they'll come in and speak to us. But the really awesome thing that they were saying at the end of this big channeling, it was like three hours in December, they were saying, train like dogs, all of you, you know? And, um, and they were saying, you'll figure it out, though. You're going to figure it out. And at the very end of that, they said, what is dog spelled backwards? They said, we can hardly contain ourselves. You're God. All right? And so here's something else, too. I'll explain just a little bit more about this commerce piece and this matrix piece. It's very important to understand. We're in a sea of commerce. It is a system, all right? It goes back to Roman times and beyond. And it is gradually spread around the whole planet, right? This is our society. This is all we know. It's what we live in, right? Well, when you're born, when you're born, before you're issued that birth certificate, you exist. You are. You come in. You're beautiful. You're God. You already are. But then the birth certificate essentially is, is sanctioning you to be. A lawyer put that together, an attorney. And on that birth certificate is your name written in all capital letters. Do you write your name in caps? No one does. When you see a word or a name written in caps, it's a corporation. So a birth certificate, and, and then you are called a person. So you hear these people complaining, going, how can a corporation be a person? That's ridiculous. They hide it right in front of you, my friends. It's called legalese. Again, playing spells with language, okay? I downloaded a PDF version of Black's Law Dictionary. I'm learning the legalese. I want to know what's right in front of my face. A person, the legal Black's Law definition is, a fiction, entity, corporation, or company. What you are when that birth certificate is signed, sealed, and delivered, you become a franchise under the United States Incorporated. Well, a franchise is a franchise. It's something you're going to make money off of, isn't it? And when your mom signs that birth certificate, by the way, what she doesn't understand is she's giving you away. She's giving you away. She has no idea she's doing that. And then what's supposed to happen is your father's supposed to claim you, but no one's told him that. So he doesn't claim you. So you're considered lost at sea, the sea of commerce. Get it? So when a ship comes down a canal, it's birthed. Is it not B-E-R-T-H? Just as you came down your mother's birth canal, all right? And then you are given this certificate, and you are considered lost at sea. You've now been handed over to the state, and you are a franchise, a commodity. So do more research on this. You can look up a guy named Clint Richardson. He has a blog, and he writes all about this. You can also listen on YouTube to a woman named Tammy Pepperman who knows law inside, out, backwards, and forwards, and talks all about this. And this goes back to the Bible. The Bible is all metaphor. When Jesus, remember, he got all pissed off, and he turned over all those tables of the money changers, he was furious, furious. And then when they, he walked on water, guess what that was? He was walking above the sea of commerce. He refused to go through it, do you see? He was warning everyone back then. I'm not a Bible person, believe me but I'm starting to understand what it really is, you know. Someone else has interpreted that and given us their interpretation, right? 
but it's a metaphor. And then another thing Jesus said is, I and the Father are one. Oh, they stoned him for that one. They were very angry about that. They thought that was blasphemous. What he was saying is, I and the Father, meaning God, were the same thing. And Jesus is us. We are Jesus, right? And so we are Jesus. We are God. We are God. We're a fractal of God. We're God. We're not a corporate entity. And I want you to really explore that because that's how they get you. And this entire system we're in is based on contract. Every time you sign your name, you are giving your consent. Do you see? You're giving your consent. So our beautiful men are being shipped everywhere, murdering innocent people. Oh, I sound like an activist now, don't I? Oh my goodness, listen to her. And it's all done with our consent. And so the way that you stop a tyranny is not through violence. No bullets shot. You call back your support. You no longer support it, and there are ways to do that. All right? And so you can look that up. I won't go into all of this. And, but, and so what does this have to do with consciousness? Everything. Everything. Because over a period of time, we have been methodically and very efficiently drawn into where we find ourselves today, completely divorced from nature, completely divorced from ourselves. Do you see? And, and so this planet is under siege. She's under siege. And yet she loves us more than any words can possibly convey. She's calling us back. She's calling us back with love through her plants and saying, create your communities again. Do not support that. Do not think of yourself as such. No, you are beauty beings. You are human beings. You are God. And guess what? This is the e this is Eden. We're in the paradise. This is the garden. This is the garden. And so if you think of Earth as one being, well, she's got cancer and it's systemic. So we're all the white blood cells, gathering ourselves again, gathering our strength again, remembering, re-dash-membering, and remembering ourselves. Because here's the deal, too, with the beings have explained to me, is each of us is a frequency. It's all about frequency. We are a frequency signature. Right? They can read your frequency signature and your frequency signature, and they can identify you. We come in many different guises over and over to this earth, right? It's always that same, just beautiful, impeccable frequency signature. And so the more we are able to remember ourselves of, of really what we are, we start shedding those shitty stories that we've been telling ourselves. We have been measuring ourselves our whole life against a bunch of false standards, do you see? That's not who we are. We grow up, we're so bummed because we don't fit in. Do you know how hard I tried to fit in in high school? What a loser. I thought I, thought I, beautiful me, was a loser in high school. I even cut my wrists and I hurt myself. I harmed myself because I bought into the lie, the false story that we're all told. And it's so real. This is the thing. These medicines are called hallucinogens? No. No. The hallucination is society. That is not even real. It's an artificial construct. All right? There's no such thing as Seattle. There's no such thing as Seattle. There's no such thing as Canada. There's no such thing as borders. That's a 
construct. It's an idea, right? And it's held together by consensus agreement. Get it? A corporation's not real. Who you think you are isn't real. Of course not. No. And when you, you know, we sue each other because something, someone's injured us, you can't injure anyone. That's a legal term. Harm is a different deal. Harm, physical harm, yeah. But injury, what? My reputation? Come on, get over it. Doesn't, it's, 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 it's artificial. And so what, what we are doing is, you know, and this is what I'm, I'm a spellbreaker. This is what I am. And I am daughter who knows. And if you read the book, I had an experience where a white owl came to me. It was a profound mystical experience. She called me daughter who longs. And she said, you will be birthed tonight, dear one, from daughter who longs to daughter who knows. And that's the other piece, too. You know, when I work with people, it's all about empowering them. I had a beautiful woman come to me, and she uh, is, um, you know, works with um, uh, animal medicine and, and, and very devout, beautiful woman. And she said to me, um, can you give me my name? And I said, uh, 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 uh. Don't you look to me to give you your spiritual name. You go within yourself and you find your allies and let them tell you what your spiritual name is. Do you see? We're so conditioned to look outside of ourselves. Please tell me. And you know what? I mean, I think these guru guys are fine, you know, and they've got some wisdom. But sometimes what I really wish they would do is say to their hundreds of followers, you know what, you guys? You don't need me. Especially you guys, you don't need me at all. You've got it going on. Get out of here. Go get out of here and just go be in your beauty. Start your own communities, right? And so with all due respect, with all due respect, do you understand what I'm saying? There's so much, we have so much to call from in here. You are not the story of what you think you are. You're not. Let it go. Let it go. And, and, and go in and endeavor to seek to know, seek to know. I seek to know. I'm daughter who knows. I'm not daughter who knows everything, by the way. I want to make that distinction. But I'm daughter who knows. I know a few things. All right? And so do you all. And so trust that. Trust that more. We're doubting ourselves constantly. So I, I'm sure you weren't exactly expecting to hear this kind of thing tonight. But this is a result of the medicine. This is the level of consciousness. That, that is a result of these beautiful plant medicines that they will bring you. And so, coming back to that, if this is something you seek, first of all, don't go looking for them growing outside. They do grow all over the place. you got to know what you're looking for when it comes to mushrooms, because if you eat the wrong ones, you'll die. So you be real, real, real careful. Um, uh, but they're, they're findable, and go online and whatever. Do your due diligence, right? Um, and I will also make that very clear that this is my path. I do not do uh, ayahuasca-type ceremonies with mushrooms. I don't. Don't ask me for that. I don't do that. That's, it, you know, we can't do that right now, right? We can't. It's a shame. It's really disgusting that we can't because I'd be a hell of a good guy, but it's illegal. And by the way, let me make a distinction. There's natural law, by the way. Natural law is God's law. And the only law under God is you do no harm to another human being. Period. The end. 
Then we have man's laws. Man's laws are what's called supernatural. Super, Latin, means above, natural, nature, above nature. So man's laws go above nature. And they come up with their statutes and codes and all this nonsense. And before you know it, you're in a tyranny, which is exactly where we find ourselves. But yet we are human beings. We're not our name. By the way, your last name doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the crown. Oh, so much for you to find out. So, so much. I'm giving you little clues. But again, not to scare you, but to educate yourself. We are so also encouraged in this culture to run, to run and hide, and we just want to be entertained, and we want to, you know, bury ourselves in our computer or our TV and, and you know, take our drugs, which, you know, whatever, do you see? No, no more. We can't do that anymore. We can't do that anymore. It's too dangerous. Do you see? I mean, too much is happening. We've got to be on our toes. We want to raise the vibration. We want to remember who we are. We're too beautiful not to figure this out. We're too beautiful. We're too strong and amazing. Do you see? So, you know, I had my notes because I try to keep myself somewhat, and I don't know. I didn't. I was like, all right, I guess I'm not supposed to work off my notes. So, um, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff, but I, I, I will, I'll finish with this, okay? Um, another thing that beautiful Red Queen said to me, Lady Zach Cook, was earlier that day, uh, Miguel and Hal the Shaman and some of the people, they were all talking about, they were saying, yeah, we're really aliens, that's really what we are, you know? And when I do this medicine, the fairies come in to me, the fairies come in and they just dance me in their pure bliss. And so I'm talking to the Red Queen and I remember that, it occurs to me, and I go, um, um, so, am I fae? And she throws her head back and laughs, and she says, You humans, always wanting to be anything other than you are. She said, You are. You came, she said, Never mind what you were before you came. You came here to play human. So play the highest expression of human that you know to be. And so I will finish on that note. And I, I thank you so very much for coming tonight. I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Would, would anyone like to ask questions? Do we want to open it to questions or, or anything? Oh, in Redmond. Um, did you get flyers? Okay, so... Um, my contact information is there on my website, so I always list my ceremonies and my classes on my website. And so the next ceremony is going to be uh, the June 21st solstice and the solstice ceremony. So you can read about that. And, and then I have a monthly newsletter that comes out, uh, Wisdom Unfolding. So if you're on the home page, you can, you know, click that and you'll get, and I write it every month. And, um, yeah, yeah. Did you have a question? Yeah, so... That was only a I didn't have it before. No, it came as a result of working with this this medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it will be two years in July. Yeah, and I'm not doing five grams a month anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I still were. It is my medicine. I am. I am a definitely a medicine shaman. Yeah, yeah. But it will just expand you, and then it. it like I said, it's coyote teachings they give you. 
But you also have to use your critical thinking with this. It's essential that you use your critical thinking, right? Because I do that too. I come out of it and I work with it almost like it was a dream, you know? Like one of my journeys last uh, 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 April, I, I birthed this extraordinary dragon and she's huge and she, her wingspan is, you know, she's extraordinary. And she said to me, I am no fantasy. You will ride me with dignity and grace and humility and kindness. And then we proceeded to have a talk, and then at the end she finished with, I am no fantasy. And so when I came out of that piece and I started working with that and integrating it the next day, is that a real being? You know what? Yeah, it is. On one level, yes, it is. And what are dragons symbols of? They're symbols of very high magic. They're symbols of very high power, and they will indicate... Uh, announce that you know you're moving from one level you know to a very high level and what that dragon was saying was you are coming into a level of power and there's no room for ego inflation there's no room for arrogance you will carry this power like a human being like a human being with kindness and dignity and humility you know, the Navajo talk about power with, that's power, not power over, power with. So that's, a, you know, a, just a, 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 an example. So when you're working with these journeys, you can work with them metaphorically or like you're working with a dream. You know, and what was this teaching me? You know, and, and other things too, revealing to you things that you didn't necessarily want to know about yourself. You know, so, yeah. So with ayahuasca, I know it works a lot with the pineal gland and the third eye, uh -huh. and you know, there's the whole science to it, which is fine. Yeah. But I'm wondering with mushrooms if it has the same effect on the pineal gland, and that's why it's able to take us to different levels. I think it does. I th yeah, I think it does. And do you know how the history of how mushrooms were discovered Cause with ayahuasca? It was the ancient ones that they guided the people to the... Right. Neolithic man, is that right? Neolithic man worked with mushrooms. And there are cave paintings which clearly depict, you know, the mushrooms and working with the mushrooms. So, you know, I think they, you know, they would watch the animals, what the animals would eat, you know, and they... They knew, they just knew, right? Because they were so connected to the earth. And then as a result, as time went on, uh, uh, mushroom use goes into Judeo-Christianity. Oh, and the origins of Judea. Yeah, they were working with the fly agaric, the Amanita muscaria, in Soma. The, um, the, the Rig Vedas, you know, speak of Soma, and they still haven't figured out quite what it was composed of, but it was psychotropic substances. The psilocybe was in there, the Amanita... Uh, cannabis, um, so yeah, I mean it's it's be, I mean everywhere around the world, you know, these medicines were where the plants were were used in, in in that way. But the mushrooms got a long, long history of, of use. But then what they did was then they you know they hoarded it because these things were also used as a way of kind of mind control as well. Because you could, for instance, the um, the uh, Luzinian mysteries in Greece that went on for over a thousand years. Uh, it was this um, 
the temple of Demeter and Persephone, and so everyone was allowed to come once a year in the fall for the Eleusinian mysteries, uh, uh, the sacred experience, and so everyone could come. Slaves could come, prostitutes could come, um, emperors could come. And so they would all descend on this temple, and then they would be given this psychotropic, this wine. And so uh, what they figure was in that wine, it was um, the psychotropic substance was ergot, which is a fungus that would grow on grain, which it would have to be something that was widespread, because they would have some, you know, hundreds of people come, sometimes over a thousand people attending this ceremony. But what they essentially did was, you know, they drank that, and then the priests and priestesses were putting on this whole deal, you know, and they would have this experience. But, you know, they were told it was Demeter and Persephone, you know what I mean? So you could give someone this experience and expand their consciousness, but you're sort of controlling the set and setting. And that's another thing, too. Um, back in the uh, 50s, um, the government got their hands on um, uh, LSD, and they gave LSD and also masculine to unsuspecting soldiers, you know, they, and they conducted horrible experiments, and that's the thing, too, and in psychiatry as well. There's a woman named Dr. Lorenda, uh, ben, Loretta Bender, who was a, uh, a, a child psychotherapist, which is shocking, and um, she's famous for coming up with a Bender-Gestalt test, which is um, like a, a, an eye sort of motor ability test. In any case, she experimented on disturbed children as young as five and gave them LSD for days in a row, weeks, months, sometimes years, in addition electroshock therapy. And not once, not ever once, did any of her colleagues ever report her, ever complain. And then she was given a full page obit in the Journal of Psychiatric Medicine. That's unheard of. So, you know, these, these were used, they, they thought they were onto something, like, oh, this is great, we can use this as mind control, right? The CIA is ridiculous, these people. Ridiculous, right? Because we have social engineering, we've all been raised under social engineering, you call it mind control, you can call it, call it whatever you want, social engineering, right? You know, education, public education, it's indoctrination, blah, blah, blah. We're breaking out of that. We're breaking out of that. But so you can see these medicines were egregiously abused. And so they do not belong and should not belong to just the psychiatric field because there is still room for abuse, as far as I'm concerned. They don't belong to the government. They sure as hell don't, right? These are medicines that belong to we the people, human beings. They're plants, for Lord's sake. So, but they deserve our respect. You know, and, and, and you're not going to find me a burning man running around in a bikini, you know, and a tiara and, you know, high heels tripping my brains out. All right? It's not going to happen. And I don't use them to get laid either. No. It's a sacrament. It's medicine. And, and, and you know, I'm 50. I'm not a, I'm not a young whippersnapper. And it is, I have a responsibility uh, to uh, put it out, put out the information that these medicines be used with reverence. I have a responsibility for that because there is no touchstones in this culture. We don't have recognized shamans in this culture. We don't. So we got to start somewhere. We got to start somewhere. I'm not saying Burning Man's not fun. I'm sure it's great, but it's not my scene, shall we say? Anyway, any other questions? Yes. I wanted to ask you about flower remedies. Okay. I have worked with flower remedies, and I have been, I haven't had visions, uh, an experience like what you were speaking to, but I have been astounded at how quickly I shift, at how quickly I shift. 
There's our plants again, our nod to these plants, you know, and we're, you know, really sort of taught to sort of brush those aside, you know. Um, but something also that subtle, don't underestimate, subtle, not for one minute. Yeah, no, very powerful, beautiful. Yeah. And it really concerns me. Good, I'm so glad. I'm so glad it concerns you because we have a sticky, syrupy, gooey, just ooze of apathy in this culture still. Yes, because they're medicated, right? Opium wars, only now it's called antidepressants and they've got a, a condition for everything. He who controls the food controls the people. Do you see? We're under, we're in a tyranny, and so we must withdraw our support of that tyranny. We must no longer consent. And weaker. And weaker. This is genocide, people. This is genocide, very quiet genocide. Cancer, diabetes, heart disease, these are not diseases of aging. You know, when I was 40, um, a, a friend of mine had to have a double mastectomy from cancer, and then I heard four other friends had cancer, and I called my mom and I said, Mom, when you were 40, did you have friends who had cancer? And she said, no, I didn't know anyone who had cancer. You know, so it's happening younger, 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 younger. So, um, yeah, the death rates with cancer. And smoking, look at the two drugs that are legal. Smoking and alcohol, they kill multiple millions every year. Every year. So we have work to do. And by the way, um, these beings, they're very, they're very funny too. And I was asking them about the, the term light workers, and they said, no, 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 no. Clean up crew. You're a clean up crew. <laughs> they said, no one's ascending. You're not doing that. We're not ascending. We're not going to go. And then they'll be left. No, no, no. They're saying, clean up your own reality. Clean up your own reality. And we'll help you. We'll give you a boost. We'll give you an assist. We promised we would. We promised we would. Right? But if you hear whatever, these beings coming in and, oh, they're your authority and they're telling you what to do, run screaming in the opposite direction. That's not, at least, you know, I joke, in my frequency, in my frequency, it says, fuck you, you're not the boss of me, you know. So the beings read that and go, all right, we, we can work with this. We can work with this one. She's feisty, you know. She's got her shit together. All right, fine. We'll give her some, some bones to chew on, some good ones, right? So, yeah, we got it going on. We really got it going on. Because if we're talking about what I've been telling you all, you know, here in Seattle on a Wednesday evening, well, this information's out. The beings have said cats out of the bag, cats out of the bag. They're very funny. Last, um, last, uh, July, no, 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 when was it? June. June 5th was the Venus transit. I don't know if any of you remember that last year. Oh, everybody was buzzing about that, right? And, and I, I, I said, um, you know, this feels like a major portal to me. I'm going to go in. I'm going in. I'm not going to wait another 186 years, you know, for this. And so I called a good friend of mine who's kind of like my psychonaut co-pilot. And I said, hey, I'm going in. You want to come? And, and, and what I do is I go in my, uh, my tent. I call it my teepee. And, and right now I, I live on five acres. I'm moving out of there soon. I still live with my ex-husband. Very good friends, by the way. But anyway, we've got this big pond. And we've got an island in the center and a bridge to the island. How, what a metaphor that is. You cross the bridge. And then we set up the tent. We've got two huge fir trees behind us, like our elder protectors, right? And all the little fairies around there. And so I went in. I did six grams. My friend did, you know, just a light dose. And 
ah, this energy came in had never been in before, you know, before that birds come in, and my body contorts, and these go into mudras, which, by the way, is what these are. Antenna. Antenna. The being said, there is an owner's manual for this, dear ones. There's an owner's manual. You've not been given it. There is. There is. So anyway, I go in. Probably, yeah, the mudras, and yeah, 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 definitely, you know, it, it sends information through your body, but you can pick up stuff. So anyway, out of my mouth, I, all this energy was raging through me, and then at the first they announced themselves by saying they've got their guns pointed and their radar on, and yet here we are in a tiny tent in Redmond. And then I looked over to my friend, and they go, waste of money, don't you think? <laughs> and they were so much fun, and they were basically mocking the... Uh, power hierarchy, mocking them, and they're way more positive or optimistic than I am, but they were saying, look, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, you know? But you've got to uh, expand your own frequency. You've got to remember what you are, because, oh boy, once you do, they're going to be running scared, you know? And and, and what I've, I've had the, the idea, and the, not the idea, I've had the sense, because when I bring them through, it's almost like this is the stage, and I've got center stage. This is my body, but I've given them over the stage. I've said, all right, fine. So I sort of slip back behind stage and let them come through. So I'm backstage. I'm sort of privy to this, but I'm also privy to what's going on backstage, too. And uh, last time when they came through so profoundly in December, I got the sense of we're uh, at the end of what has been a very long journey, a very long cycle. So we've all been hearing about we're at the end of that 26,500 year cycle. And it came to me that the after party is right around the corner. <laughs> we've got an after party coming. And, and, and that we are, we're so indescribably exquisite. We're fucking huge, you guys. All right. And so then we thought, all right, let's do that game. Let's do that game where the spell is so thick It'll be just almost impossible to remember who we are. We've got to have a thick spell because we're so made, you know what I mean? So in we come into this matrix thing, thick spell, all right? Only times are changing, you know? So And then we've got those who are playing the mean ones, you know, the schoolyard bullies. And I saw in this after party, you know, like I saw myself, like, like sort of looking over, like, I don't know, Henry Kissinger, name, name one of those guys. Hey, sweetie, get over here. Come on. Put your head on my lap, sweetie. You played a hell of a role. You're a total asshole. You must, you need a healing. My God, honey, if anyone needs it. You know what I mean? So, like, coming back together, that coming back together, because we're in this grand, grand, grand game, and, 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 and it's an infinite game, ultimately. It's an, it goes on ad infinitum. You know, we get to come here and have an experience and try to remember who we are. In this thick spell, spells only work if you believe in them. And don't forget, spells are done through words. I think there was a time on this planet where we didn't really have to use language because we could speak telepathically. And now, when two people are in a room, sometimes this happens with the psilocybe or the amanita or other substances, where they are speaking telepathically. So what is this brain that they tell us that we only use 10% of this month? What is this? And then there's all that junk DNA, right? Now listen, everything we've been told, someone else told us. Don't believe it. Don't trust it. Don't. Don't give over your authority to those 
who claim authority. Do you see? Bring back more of your own authority and question everything. And you know, the good news about, you know, so much of just, I think basically almost damn near everything we've been told is a lie. But then the good news is damn near everything we've been told is a lie. What does that mean? That means, first of all, it means fairies are real and I can vouch for that. But um, they are real. But it also means, oh, you can't heal yourself. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Okay, one of my teachers, Brew Joy, who was a doctor at one point and then became a spiritual teacher, told a story about, um, you know, the studies of people with multiple personalities. And there was this one woman, she had two different personalities, okay, and one had a disease, the other didn't. So when the one with the disease was at the doctor, she tested positive, her body showed all the symptoms, everything. Then when she was the other personality, nothing. Not only that, two menstrual cycles in one body. What is going on? What is that telling you? So, you know, who we think we are is so limited. They have gone to so much trouble. Think of the expense and the time and the energy that has been put into keeping us in this very narrow, teeny tiny perception of who we think we are, right? You hear these people, you know, they get to their midlife or whatever and they're supersonically successful. They have everything and they go, is this is this all there is? They have a crisis. Is this all there is? Right, because it's, it's nothing. It's, you've been cheated out of what you really are. So let's claim it. This is our time to claim our humanity. Claim our beauty. Don't compare yourself to the status quo. Don't compare yourself to your neighbor. Cut the shit. Stop it. Just stop it. And go in and know thyself, that was on the temple of Delphi, know thyself. And also, what's that one? Knowledge is power. If you don't know, and if you can't see, you can be fooled, you can be schnookered, you have no power. When you know, you know. But then in the meantime, I also always say, if you don't, you know, you don't know till you know. So there's a good way for you to forgive yourself of all this stuff where you screwed up. You didn't know. It's that simple. You didn't know. Believe me, I've had, when I was in the teepee this uh, Saturday, and the owl was working with me, and she made me very aware of my own elitism, and my own prejudice, and my own judgment in this room, full of, not this room, but in that teepee, and there's a dark, shadowy part of me, I'm confessing to you, because all I have is my truth. Dark, shadowy part of me that felt a little bit better than everybody in that TV. Uh-oh, you see? You see? And so Al didn't say like this, you stupid woman, who do you think she... No, no, that's not how spirit works, no. She said, dear one, she just showed me, she just showed me, and she said, you come here and you show these people respect, and don't sit like this because you're so tired. Keep your head up. And listen when these women sing, and listen when they speak, and be present for them, because they're present for you. Do you see? And that's why I left there a better woman, because I realized, God, I can be so selfish. Oh, well, that's my conditioning. All right, I can correct that. Do you see? It's just a course correction. That's all. I don't, don't have to beat myself up and whatever, go on that dramatic nonsense of I'm the, no. Just a course correction. That's where the awareness, if you don't have the awareness, nothing changes. Nothing. 
So you need the awareness. That's a gift. That's a gift. Even if you don't like what you see, it's a gift. Because then you get to change it and rise to the occasion. So anyway, I could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a good time? Yeah. Good. Great. Great. I hope you will buy my book. And, um, and enjoy it. And please write to me. And if you want to work with me, I would love, would love to have you in my ceremony. I would love to work with you in whatever capacity that is. Tell your friends. Let's get the show on the road. <laughs> right. You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. Wow, uh, there was really a lot packed into that wonderful talk that we just listened to. And uh, while this may be a somewhat insignificant point to bring up first, uh, but I I want to re-emphasize something that Shona just said about how we have all been trained since birth to fit into social structures that have been constructed by people who uh, don't necessarily have our best interests at heart. And it's the word train that I uh, hope you will focus on. When, uh, when I was still working in the corporate world, it would just drive me nuts when we'd be required to uh, get some training. Uh, I actually got into a lot of trouble back in those days uh, whenever I would, uh, and often quite loudly, when I would point out the fact that we train dogs, but humans should be educated. And uh, much to my satisfaction, that would uh, sometimes get our whole department to the brink of mutiny. (laughs) Obviously, I wasn't well suited to be a loyal corporate suit. Now, getting back to the uh, talk that we just listened to, I was quite struck by Shona's comparison between the state of prescription antidepressant use here in the States with the opium wars uh, between the British and Chinese uh, in a century or two ago. As she said, it's all about money, not health or well-being. It's about money, and that's why I don't think that under our current system we are ever going to see the legalization of psychedelics, simply because they are not patentable, and they work so well that they could possibly replace many patent medicines, and uh, the profits in the pharmaceutical industry would begin to dry up. Now, uh, when Shona told that story about her mushroom trip in Palenque, I actually had to pause the recording for a moment and think back to my own first mushroom trip in Palenque, which, uh, out of many, many other mushroom experiences, remains yet today fresh in my memory and was, uh, without a doubt, the major turning point in my life. But that's another story for another day. However, here's another stray thought. When Shona just now was uh, telling her story of how we are divine beings who are trapped in a deep spell, I couldn't help but think of the chapter in my novel, The Genesis Generation, that takes place at Caitlin's Salon in Venice Beach, and where Stein gives his thoughts about what he calls the Earth Game. And uh, then Shauna got me uh, just now thinking about uh, maybe I should take a look at the audiobook version of that chapter and podcast it. I've already podcast a couple of other chapters, and uh, if it seems like it fits, uh, fits in with an interesting little metaphor that seems to be going around in various shapes and forms right now, well, uh, then if it feels right, I'll do it. But until then, please don't forget that the level we're playing on right now in the Earth game is called Find the Others. Find the Others. That's step one. 
Don't worry about step two until you've found a few more of the others. So uh, what are you waiting for? Get out there and meet someone who thinks along the same lines as you and me. And uh, who knows, it could be the start of something quite interesting. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs>